Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, May the 4th. This is not a Star Wars podcast. We're going to talk football today. I am your host, Rod Bloom, and this is episode number 148. Joining me is my brother, Jeff. And how are things going, Jeff? Going good, Rod. Uh, looking forward to dissecting the draft. Yeah, yeah, we've got uh, got a lot to talk about with the draft. And here to help us is our guest, Alex Sapelin. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Alex Sapelin. And Alec is a storyteller and digital content producer for Cleveland 19 News. Alec, how are things going? It's going well. First and foremost, uh, happy festivities to those who celebrate the wonderful day that it is. May the 4th be with you. Uh, despite seeing, I think, the Guardians tweeting today something about Star Trek, and that got me very irate, but that's that's a different topic for a different day. Um, it's going great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, we, uh, we have a lot of football to talk about. Um, let's see. Before we actually get into the draft, I just want to, uh, I guess, first of all, see if anybody's drinking anything tonight. I didn't ask you guys before we started recording, so... Um, are you sitting this one out, Jeff? Yep. Alec, do you have anything there? I am drinking a Costco bought Kirkland water. A water? Okay. Yeah. I'm just I'm just drinking a uh, miscellaneous beer out of my refrigerator. So let's just move on, okay? <laughs> ah, there we go. Perfect. It's a beer I've talked about before on the show, so we won't waste anybody's time. So. You know, I was looking at Brown's news like like we talked, and um, you know the only thing there, there's a little bit of this and that going on, guys. Um, you know, with pressers and all that, obviously having to do with the with the draft. But um, you know, and we had I think at least one player cut. But uh, I guess the uh, I guess uh, Catherine, we believe it's uh, Reich for, um, joining the front office from the Eagles, is is probably the main bit of news this week. Um, I'll, I, I don't know if you guys want to say anything about that. I'll be honest. I haven't had a chance to read, read up on her, uh, or know much about her. So I thought we'd just spend, you know, just a minute or two, uh, talking about that higher before we move on. Um, see if Alec knows any other news and then we'll kind of probably get into the draft. Yeah. Well, first and for, first and foremost, you know, uh, Catherine Raish, Raish Rice, I'm going to, I'm going to say Raish and in the Race. inevitability that I that I that I botched last time, it happens all the time. But I'm going to say that Race did have experience with one of the Browns front members of the front office. He worked in Philadelphia previously before taking Quasi spot with none other than Andrew Barry. I actually do have uh, another little tidbit of news that came today. Actually, okay, we're ready. So. For those that love football and love the links, you are able to partake in the first Energy Stadium version of the Top Golf Live Stadium Tour coming at the end of July, the 28th through the 31st. It was just announced today, and it seems like something that's very, very interesting because Top Golf is is taking over the country. It's going over by storm. The the chain of Range golfing and dining and and a fun video game like experience coming to your favorite teams and 
NFL stadium is something that has not been done before. Now, they did it, I believe, with the Guardians, if I'm not mistaken. Either it was Top Golf or it was just a regular driving range. I don't remember off rip. But that is just amazing to see because you don't get to do that often. You know, there are some, I'll tell you, just from personal experience, there's some pretty good golf courses out here in Cleveland. But there's only one top golf in Independence, and to be able to get away from that Independence location—not that it's bad—but to be able to take a field trip up to Cleveland and to go golf there, it's a kid's dream. Yeah, I'll bet the one in Independence is pretty well crowded all the time because there, there's one down here uh, by where I live, and yeah, um, yeah, there, there's one. So, so it's usually pretty busy, but yeah, it, it's a great experience and. Even if you're not a great golfer, you can go and, you know, and hit the ball and have fun. So, it, you know, it's a good time and the food's good and, you know, and they have drinks and stuff. So, so yeah. Excellent. So, it's very exciting to see that. So, let's get into the meat and potatoes here. I'm ready. Okay. Let's talk some draft, guys. So, uh, the Browns went into this, um, you know, Having traded pick 13, so we're, we're all waiting till day, you know, I don't know about you guys, I, I watched the whole first round. <laughs> I wasn't really expecting the Browns to trade into round one, but, you know, it's kind of just in case I'm going to stay up and watch it. You know, I wanted to see who was left on the board, and and it was entertaining because there were so many trades. It, it got to be just crazy, you know, you couldn't even keep up with all the trades the first day. But the Browns didn't do anything. So then we we wait uh, second second day uh, day two, and um, we get to forty four. And of course the Browns trade the pick, which which Jeff had predicted. So we have <laughs> to give him kudos for that. So um, so l- let's get your thoughts first when you see the trade come in. I, I want to know what you guys thought first when the trade happened. Were you happy or not happy? And then what did you think of the return? So, Alec, I'll let you go first on those two questions. My thoughts on the draft, or at least on that pick, was it was skeptical at first because you just traded the 44th overall pick, which turned into John Michi III with a familiar trade partner because they did trade it to Houston. And and if my memory serves me correct, we did a trade with them a couple of of months ago that uh, broke everyone's mind. It did. It still has in some cases, yeah. Yeah. So, but looking at the actual, the actual trade itself, not not including the fact that they got the Alabama Alabama stud, one of them at least. Houston received a second round pick. We got a third and two fourths. We got three picks for the price of one. Granted, it was in a different round, but there were a lot of pieces still available at that time. So going into it, if I if I'm putting my GM hat on, like every Browns fan can do, you know, we think that there'll be more pieces available until they're not. My my biggest concern was seeing Pickens go to a team that I didn't want him to go to, and it and it happened. But that was a chance that we had to take because we didn't have many draft picks this year. We had maybe four or five of our own, and we turned it into nine. Yeah, we, so, the Browns went into this with what's, um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. What did we have? What did the Browns have? Seven picks. We had we had seven picks going in, but yeah, I think what Alec is saying is that a couple of those weren't well, probably three of those weren't our our original picks. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So, so. When you're just looking at the actual trade guys, when you see 44 traded and and that you see the Browns are getting 68, 108, and 124, initially when you first see that, are you happy or not happy with that return? Uh, you know what? Initially, Rod, I thought it, it didn't feel like enough. I thought 68 was a little low to drop. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first heard the trade. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, when I when I talked about us trading down, I thought, you know, somewhere in the high 50s to 60, you know, was as about as far as I would have been comfortable dropping with that first pick. Um, yeah. But, you know, you have to you have to take the deal. It's there. Right. And right. And, you know, picking up those two additional later later uh, choices from Houston turned into guys that. Um, we probably would not have ended up with otherwise. And as Andrew Barry said, and I think you and I had discussed many times, really the, the, the sweet spot in this draft was, you know, late two to mid four, um, you know, in, in those, in those areas, there was a ton of value, uh, with, with really skilled guys. And, and I like having more picks in, in that area. Yeah, and that that's kind of what I was thinking when it happened. Um, to I, I thought, man, twenty they they dropped twenty four spaces. I'm like, crap. You know, what am I going to do for the next two hours? First, but um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm thinking, are they going to trade back up again? But but yeah, I saw pick one oh eight. I'm thinking pick one oh eight is going to be a nice pick. You know, it's going to be a quality guy. And then I'm thinking one twenty four. They're going to find somebody there too, probably. You know, uh, but yeah, 68, I thought, man, I wish, you know, I wish they hadn't dropped quite that low. Right. But, you know, but I, I, I figured it was probably going to be worth it for the other, for the other two picks. Um, but, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure with dropping that low. Right. <laughs> and I mean, all things considered in dropping to 68, I think we found a, I think we found a very quality football player. Yeah. And, and. Yeah, and that's where we're going next is, um, you know, at 68, the Browns pick uh, Martin Emerson. Apparently, he he prefers to go by MJ. So, MJ Emerson, cornerback out of Mississippi State, um, with with one of the picks from Houston. He's, um, he's you know, it depends where you look, guys. I think he's around 6'2", 200. Um, he ran a 4'5", 340 at the combine. He's 21 years old. And apparently, he I don't think he started – um that much at Mississippi State. Is that is that a correct statement from what you guys know? No. He in twenty twenty one he started twelve games for the Bulldogs there racking and he, he did. He balled out. He had fifty tackles, three TFLs and three pass breakups. Granted, you know, a couple of interceptions would have sweetened the deal, but all things considered, the fact that he was there and he was able to make plays on the ball as much as he did, and he was able to rush and get tackles for loss in that manner as a corner in one season. You don't see it all that often, in my opinion, and I could be very I could be very wrong. I mean, unless your name is Jalen Ramsey, then yeah, <laughs> that's fine. But in a 21-year-old kid that, that 
plays with his, you know, going 100 miles an hour. I always, I always kind of, and I'll get more into this mentality. I always look at, at ball players on if they're a dude. A dude plays their heart out, goes 110% every single play. They don't take a second off. They crack someone and they, they tell that person on the ground, line back up, we're going to go again. Yeah. Emerson is one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. What I was saying is I th- I think he only started um, pretty much one season, did he not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he started, he started one season. Yeah, I, I think, think he started one season. So, yeah, so I think that, that I could be wrong. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, not a large sample size, but, um, you know, uh, the Browns definitely see something in him. So, so Jeff, w- what were your thoughts, I, I guess, when they made the pick? Because I think everybody was stunned that they took a corner. But yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't see the. <laughs> yeah, you, I didn't see the choice of a cornerback coming. <laughs> no, I don't think any of us did. So, so what did you think of it then, and, w- and what do you think of it now that you learned a little bit about him? Yeah, you know, I still, I'm not sure that that that's the best possible pick that we could have made for our first overall pick in the draft um, in hindsight. Um, But you can't deny the need and you can't deny that um, the guy has some unique tools that don't exist today on our roster. Um, You know, going back to last draft uh, that, that cycle um, we talked about the need for a big physical cornerback Uh on our roster. Um, and we kicked around the idea of, you know, were they going to re-sign Denzel? Um, you know, could we surprise everybody and go cornerback? Well, then when they re-signed Denzel and extended him, that kind of took cornerback off everybody's mind, okay? But the need was still there. You know, the 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 idea that, you know, Greedy's in the last year of his contract, um, that um, you didn't really know what was going to happen with Hill. I mean, most well, people he's in the last year to too. I mean, yeah, this year, it, yeah, but it, most people it, expect it's only Newsom and Denzel year, that are signed past this season. Only the two guys are signed past exactly. this season. So yeah, right. And and we know how important cornerback is in general, but specifically how highly Andrew Berry values cornerbacks. So the fact that that you know he found a guy that we really probably were looking for in last year's draft and didn't end up with, um, you know, in terms of the, the makeup um, and, and took him high in retrospect really shouldn't surprise us all that much. You know, I think, um, you know, we, we didn't expect it going in, but I think it was, you know, an important pick for the future of the franchise. I can agree on that last point there because Nowadays, there are two in, in today's version of the NFL. You're not seeing a lot of running backs. Running backs are getting paid out of their minds. Take a la Nick Chubb, a la Derrick Henry, a la Saquon Barkley, even though he's probably not going to play much longer because he can't stay healthy. Christian McCaffrey, all of these guys, they are high power running backs. They are high trusted running backs, but they are not the most. They're not the most sought after. They're not the hot commodity. They're not flying like like hotcakes off the griddle on, at Sunday morning brunch. 
Instead, you're seeing a lot of two positions that, and I've kind of noticed this trend throughout the last few Super Bowls, comes down to two positions. And, and those two positions are the quarterback and the wide receiver. Andrew Barry knew that we were weak at that position. And, and, and whatever, whatever facet you want to take and, and whatever nomenclature you want to have, that's fine. We needed a cornerback from this offseason, and Andrew Barry got a cornerback. Is he proven? No, I, I don't know that because we, I haven't seen him pr- play in the orange and brown. But the fact of the matter is, Andrew Barry stacked up to prevent that, those game-winning situations that everyone knows. No, I think yeah. that's a great point, Alex, is that you have to be able to counter what is going on on offense with your opponent, right? So we're all talking about adding bigger, stronger, faster receivers. Um, and our division specifically is stacked with guys like that. Um, and, you know, that's asking a lot of Denzel and, and Newsom to, to be able to, you know, take those guys on play after play. So, you know, a big physical guy like that, that um, can, you know, at least counter somebody on the other side, freeze those two guys up to, you know, to, for better matchups. So, I really do think it. that's what it boils down to in the NFL now. We know it's a passing league, and it's it's about getting the right matchups against you know the other team's uh, X and Y guys. I mean, that's why Tyreek Hill made a crap ton of money after the surprise trade from Kansas City to Miami, which yeah. that still yeah. blows my mind. Why would you want to go away from one of the best quarterbacks in generation? But also, I mean, the 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 – Ability of a wide receiver needs to be matched by the ability of a cornerback. The best case scenario, and and this is from last year, it was about a minute and a half left in the NFC divisional round in in Tampa Bay, Florida, when Tom Brady and the Buccaneers were going up against Matt Stafford and the LA Rams. Matthew Stafford had, I think, about a third and 12 on a play-action fake, I believe, if I'm remembering this correct, and slung it on a rope to a Cooper Cup that was more wide open than the church door on Sunday morning. Getting that ability to have that kind of impact and that kind of playmaking ability is starting to scare the life out of NFL coaches, defensive coordinators, GMs, because now you're saying, wow, I need to figure out how I can counter that. Yeah, and there are, there are more and more teams that have three quality wide receivers, too. So it makes sense for the Browns to go after a guy like this. And I kind of go back to the uh, uh, the press conference uh, that Andrew Berry had, I think, before the draft when somebody asked him, you know, how, how do you decide, you know, uh, on how you pick? And one of the things he said was positional scarcity. So I, right. you know, my thought is that, um, you know, I don't know how the how the corner board looked at that point, but my guess is that his cornerback board looked pretty, you know, looked pretty bleak at that point. Um, whereas yep. he was looking at the the you know his defensive ends and his wide receivers, and he felt pretty comfortable that those guys were still going to be around. That he felt like he, you know, that that. Um, 
MJ Emerson was was the pick there, probably because he didn't think there was another quality corner that was going to be there. Right, right. I would agree. Yeah. So, um, so let's move on. So we go to uh, pick number seventy-eight. This was the Browns' actual third rounder, and uh, and they take Alex Wright, the defensive end, out of uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Twenty-one years old, six-five, two seventy-one, and you know, a lot of fans were like, who in the hell is this guy? Um, <laughs> but but the more you hear about him, the more uh, the more excited you kind of get about him because he sounds like he's a guy with just a ton of upside. So so let's get your thoughts on this guy. We'll let you go first on this one, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, we, we said we wanted a three down defensive end type body with, you know, one of those first couple of picks. Um, you know, th- this may not be the name that everybody expected or, or wanted, um, but the guy certainly has the measurables and certainly has the skill set. So, um, you know, when, when you're talking about third, fourth and fifth round draft picks in the NFL draft, um, you know, it's a it's a crapshoot. First round's a crapshoot a lot of times, too. But um, I, I think, you know. The more you pick guys like this that have a ton of upside, the better your chances are of you know him actually developing into what you're looking for. And Alex Wright is is somebody that you know if he gets anywhere close to his potential, um, can be a, a really nice complement to Miles Garrett for a very long time, and it can be a, an extremely good value pick at number seventy eight. So we just have to hope that the coaching staff can coach him up and and you know get him to that level yeah so uh so what'd you think alex alec i'm sorry hey that's that's a draft pick i'm alec yeah that, hey, that's so, also one of my kids so yeah yeah it makes sense um so i mean you, i mean jeff hit it right on the nose right was a three-star recruit from southeast alabama and but i mean he also was named second team all conference in 2021 yeah i mean if you look at his stats, you can kind of see that he had an all-around season. Just And this is just from his 2021 season. 46 total tackles. He had he led the team in seven and a half tackles aloft, uh, seven sacks, and added three pass breakups and two forced fumbles in 12 games. Yeah. So Nice numbers. Just, just, it's great numbers. And, and, I mean, are there dudes that'll, that'll wreck house? Yeah. Look at Kayvon Thibodeau, not because I went to Oregon, but look at the type of player that he is. Of course not. He 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 does the same thing, if not better, because he went to uh, the University of Oregon. That uh, no, <laughs> no, but no, no, but seriously, no, but seriously, that though, like those kind of, that those caliber of college players, you you look at them based on their name alone. Kayvon Thibodeau was a like. He was a number one overall recruit in 2018. So people knew about him before yeah. he even signed the dotted line. Yeah. And he very well could have been the number one pick in the draft, too. Whatever the heck the Jags were thinking or smoking. I, uh, well, that's I don't their know. problem. Yeah. Exactly. Problem. But, but, you know, just that name value, the name value of, 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 athletes in today's day and age especially in the age of social media you hear so many things about so many people 
over social media. Social media makes a career, social media breaks a career. Social media made the name of Kayvon Thibodeau because he was the number one player in our draft class. Alex mm-hmm. Wright didn't have that luxury. Like I said, he was a three-star. But he put up yeah. very respectable numbers despite being a three-star. And in my opinion, three stars, who, who cares? What did he do with it? He did a lot. So it all boils down to like what Jeff said. It all boils down to the potential that he has and the potential he brings. But while what we're talking about all this potential and upside, there's a there's a painstaking question in the room. There's there's a there is a uh, number ninety wearing elephant in the room. What's going on with Jadavian Clowney? Nobody's heard of him. Nobody's heard his name. Yeah, it's like he dropped off the face of the earth. Well, how long was it last uh, last year? Um, how long after the draft was it last year when he signed? Yeah, do you remember Jeff? I mean, it it was a little bit after. Mm. I don't remember it might how. Have been like long. a week or so. Yeah, I don't so, remember exactly, Rod. So, I mean, we're getting to about that time period. So, we'll, you know, we'll see if anything happens. Um, what can you do? I mean, the Browns, the Browns drafted. I think as if you know that they're trying to they're trying to protect themselves in, in case he doesn't sign with them. Um, you know, it's it's obviously right. you know not the same having a you know having a rookie start over Clowney is not um, you know is not probably. not ideal. Yeah, and right. and obviously so, these guys you know probably what? we're still five start. months away. Yeah, yeah, there's there's time, there's time, yeah. right? But um, but we'll see yeah. what happens with them. And you know, you know what's it, interesting, I think, about that Alex Wright pick, Rod, is um, you know both of the guys that that we wanted at 44, uh, Cameron Thomas and Perry and Winfrey, were both sitting there at 78. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah, we're in good shape. We got our choice now. We can take either one, right? <laughs> And then, yeah. then and, Alex and, Wright came up, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and Andrew Barry's like, yeah, just sit down, boys. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take her. I'll cross that road named Perry and, uh, Perry and Winter when we, when we get there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, and the thing is, you guys know they draft these guys young. And, you know, Alex Wright, is he's 21. He's probably you know, he's still probably putting muscle on and stuff. Um, but, you know, it's kind of... Yeah kind of scary you just don't know um what he could grow into um you know as he learns more I, you bring anybody in as an understudy to uh to miles and and it's you know it, it's certainly a good situation for them so anybody with yep. potential like this so let's move on to the let's see the third third rounder pick 99 which was the which was the the compensatory pick and uh, this, um, I think we knew they were going to go wide receiver here. You know, they've gone corner, defensive end, and, and, uh, unless they went, you know, unless they pick uh, Perry and Winfrey here, which we were all screaming at the TV for him to do. Um, right. You know, the, and they picked David Bell, wide receiver out of Purdue. Um, you know, he, he's 21, um, around 6'1", 200 to 212, depending on which area you look. Uh he ran a four six five forty at the combine, which probably scared a lot of teams. But he's got a lot of hardware to go with, you know, to go with his career at Purdue. So, um, you know, he's not the burner, but he can catch the damn ball. And 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, to, to see what the Browns have in mind, you know, how much playing time he gets and, and um, you know, how, how things work out for him. But what, what did you guys think of that pick? And um, I don't know, Jeff, you want to go first on, on David Bell? Um, there were receivers that, that I thought more highly of as a result of the combine. But, excuse me, with that said, prior to the combine, I would have been thrilled with David Bell at 44. I would have been yeah. thrilled with Perrin Winfrey at 44. Okay. Yep. Same. Um, Same. So, I think Andrew Berry kind of tipped his hand as he was, as he was talking about um, the characteristics that he was looking for in a wide receiver. Um, and, you know, that, that guys contribute in different ways. Um, you know, we, we have the burner on the team already. Um, we have the number one, you know, we're looking for the compliment and, you know, I think David Bell fits that role pretty well. You know, he's, he's a guy who's going to be real sure handed. Um, you know, he's the, we, we talked a little bit about Brian Brennan last week. I think it was, um, mm-hmm. you know, David Bell's going to be that kind of guy, the guy that you can just count on for yardage and every once in a while he's going to break one, but, um, He's going to be a guy that's going to be able to get get open in a sneaky sort of way, um, and you know I think the fans are going to really like what he brings. Yeah. So, um, so Alec, how, how how did you feel about this pick? How the hell did we get away with an AP first team All American? And it and on top of that, a Blentikoff Award finalist. Yeah. At 99, how did we get away with that? How did it's, no it, other teams? It, it? It's because he ran a 4.65. Nobody wanted to touch him. Yeah. Like I said earlier, exactly. we talking about about MJ. You got to be fast, and and yeah. fast That's all they look at. Good. Fast yeah. does not mean good. No. I remember we had Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. He was fast as lightning, and and everyone <laughs> loved his story. Everybody did. Yeah, great story. I remember. I remember Dave and I sitting there texting each other back and forth like like we had nothing better to do about how much we loved Damon Gigi Giuseppe. Unfortunately, yeah. he wasn't that good. But fast does not mean good. This is good. You have a heck of a wide receiver that I think went, correct me if I'm wrong, where did Amari Cooper go to college? Did he not go to Alabama? I Josh, do not right? know that. Where did he end up going to school? Amari Cooper, I have no idea. Beyond just being honest. Where he went to school at no, he did go to Hang school on. at Alabama. He was he you have a wide receiver that put up finalist but, numbers in a very yeah. in a very crowded Big Ten where you had Jackson Smith Nigma. You had uh, you had Garrett Wilson. You had Chris Olaf. You had all of these wide receivers in these studs. Dotson. Dotson, yeah. Yes, Dotson, too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And you get someone that puts up numbers at Purdue like that, and you pair him with someone that, that got to spend his time under the Nick Saban learning tree? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's a good situation. Just think about the damage he can do. Yeah, that's, th- that's all you really have to say. Think about the damage he does. 
Yeah, I think I think what Jeff said's right too. He's he's going to be a he's, I mean he's going to be a compliment to the other guys. Um, the Browns need guys who who catch the ball, and I think he's going to be that. Um, that that's what they want. And you know I think Amari Cooper's going to do that. I think David Bell's going to do that, um, and hopefully that rubs off on anybody else who the ball's thrown to. You know that that. That needs to be what happens. Uh, there have been far too many drops, and you know that. And it's like, whose fault is it? Is it the wide receiver or the quarterback? And we've been playing this game for too many years now. Um, you just need to see ball and catch ball. Um, you know, and that's it. So I think he's yep. he's going to he's going to help with that. So um, so I thought it was a nice pick. So um, yep. so let's move on to uh, the first fourth rounder which was pick number 108. And we said, thank God they finally picked Perion Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you take him at 44? Right. <laughs> um, well, so the, this, if I, go ahead. If I may say, I, I, I have done a little bit of an investigative work in this, and, and I, have, I have reports to share with you. It has once been said that Perion Winfrey threw a chunk of rock out of the orbit. And that is what today humans know as the moon. <laughs> I, I can believe that. And here's another one. He once punched a whale shark in the in the freaking snout and turned it into a baby dolphin. <laughs> he might he might be the guy that makes Wyatt Teller look like uh, wrestling alligators is no big deal. He just might be. Um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> He, he, well, he's he's six four two ninety, so he's he's not going to be you know the biggest defensive tackle out there. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw the video of him doing squats with with a Nick Chubb like amount of weight on the on the bar. Um, right. it, it was a lot of weight, more than I think anybody wanted to count. So um, yeah, I'm anxious to see this guy play. And he brings he brings the attitude that we need on the defensive line. Um, yeah. Here's he another thing that oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say he can't wait. He can't wait to work. He can't wait to get in there and play next to Miles. Um, I just I'm just really excited to have this guy on the team. Here's another thing, and this is this is not I don't know if this is 100% true, but it, it sounds like it would be considering what I've seen so far. He has a Michael Myers Halloween tattoo, and he wears ghost face knee pads. The dude is a straight psychopath. <laughs> oh, they, they said that on the, they said that when he was drafted. They talked about the Michael Myers tattoo. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah. look at that. And, and you guys know he, he ran a 489 at the, at the combine, too. Oh, God. That's not he bad. He marbles with Pluto. <laughs> So, so Jeff, how did you feel when he was finally picked? Well, as I said before, I would have been happy with him much higher. So, um, you know, to end up with him at 108 was, I thought, tremendous value. Um, I, I really couldn't understand the slide. Um, other than, you know, some of the things we talked about, about him not really being in a defined position. So, um, look, I, I think he's got a ton of upside Um as a defensive tackle. And I think there are some creative things that Joe Woods is going to be able to do with him. 
uh, moving him around a little bit. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see how these guys grow and develop and mesh. And, you know, it may not be this year that that all happens or, or early this year that that all happens, but um, it's, it's going to be fun to watch over the coming seasons, you know, what kind of roles they can plug these guys into because they really do have a lot of versatility. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so at, at this point, the Browns for that 44th pick have, have MJ Emerson and Perry on Winfrey. Um, you come up to, to pick 118, and the Browns trade that pick uh, to Minnesota, and they get pick 156. Uh, fifth, you know, Minnesota's fifth rounder this year, and they, and they also get Minnesota's uh, fourth rounder in 23. So how did you guys feel about that trade? And um, I guess uh, do either, either of you guys remember anybody that might have been on the board at that point that you wish the Browns would have been taking? Um, you know, anybody you think they might have missed out on by trading that pick? Or, or do you think it was just a good trade because of the value that they got back? Yeah, um, I think, I think what they did, Rod, was they, they sort of punted on taking a tight end at that point when, mm-hmm. when they made that trade. Okay, because that's that's where I thought we were going with 118. Um, yeah, we needed to we needed to take our favorite tight end at that point. Um, you know, my guy Charlie Kolar was still sitting there. Um, there. My receivers that I really liked were still sitting there. Um, so yeah, I, I think we we could have doubled up on receiver. We could have taken a tight end at that point, um, knowing that they were going to take the kicker high um, trading out of 118 was, was a real surprise to me um, that they didn't go down and, and grab one of those guys that, that, you know, really we ended up without, we ended up without that second option at wide receiver and we ended yeah. up without a tight end. So that, that was a little disappointing. Um, it, it, it was It, it kind of yeah. explained, you know, explained things a little bit when we took the kicker next, um, but yeah, I thought that I thought that 118 pick would have been a great place to to, to take one of those guys. It, it still felt like the sweet spot, you know, where there were yeah. still going to be some really good guys there yeah. for him. So so yeah. yeah, I was I was a little surprised. What did you think, Alec? You know what? I I really don't have any comment on it. I think it was a I think it was just more a uh, preemptive trade just to try and not only get and just see what we can do with getting more picks, but also just a preparatory thing for next year because we don't have many picks we didn't have many picks after uh after the trade for deshaun for next year either so i yeah. think more just yeah. prep prep for the uh for the next year's draft that's my opinion at least i guess, yeah, I guess and- that you know that makes sense but i mean if, you, if you're gonna take the kicker six picks later um you know why not just take him at, at 118 and then, you know, go grab somebody else at 124. I mean, I, it, I don't know. I just I, I had a hard time understanding why they valued a fourth rounder next year over what they could have grabbed at that point in the draft, knowing how how strong this draft is at tight end, particularly. Yeah. And while we're talking about it, I'll, I'll just go over this now. You know, um, where the Browns sit right now on uh, picks for 23 they have, uh, they have their second rounder. Uh, the third round, they either have their own 
or the compensatory. I guess it's not clear yet which one they traded to to uh, um, you know in the uh, in the uh, yeah to Houston in the Watson trade. Um, they have their fourth rounder, the Vikings fourth rounder. They have their own uh, fifth rounder. They have the Rams uh, fifth rounder, and then they have their own sixth and seventh rounders. So that's where they stand, right? They actually have a lot of picks now for next year. Um, right. So I don't know. I don't know if they just wanted another pick for next year or or, or what. It, it is kind of hard to tell. So, um, but yeah, they, they traded it, uh, you know, and then six picks, picks later at 124. And this is the last pick that was part of the trading of number 44. They, they picked the kicker and... Um, so, you know, Cade York, kicker out of LSU, obviously the first uh, kicker taken. Um, and uh, you know what they say, guys? They say, um, they say, pick the kicker or kick the picker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. Um, you know what? They- Speaking of uh, first, <laughs> first kicker, Cade York also was the first kicker taken in the history of Louisiana State's football program. Is that right? Yep. The first, the first kicker drafted in school history, Cade York. And, and you know what? I remember watching that there was, a, there was a play. It was against the number six Florida Gators in 2020. 56-yard game-winning field goal. And, like, you couldn't see three feet in front of me. And he made it from 57. Nice. And there are so many people that I've seen. It's like, what the hell is he doing? Or the Browns doing? You look at Evan McPherson. Evan McPherson, the kicker for the Bengals, was taken in the fifth. In his rookie year, he downed two of the NFL's most elite teams in the AFC. The Tennessee Titans broke the hearts after reports of uh, Derrick Henry missing the playoffs turned out to be infactual, and he came back. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who were on a revenge tour after getting absolutely embarrassed in Tampa Bay with Mm -hmm. a nuclear quarterback in a nuclear team who could not have been stopped even if their lives were on the line. Evan McPherson was clutch for the Bengals. What Mm -hmm. I saw is the Browns saw that and said, okay, we need to stop dilly-dallying around with Chris Blewett or Chase McLaughlin or you you name it, and we need to get someone. We need to get someone that is reliable. We need to get someone that that can score points when points need to be scored from anywhere on the field that is in reasonable distance, not just in Tucker distance, because that's never going to be replicated. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. But yeah. when it comes to, we need to get, we need to get three, you know, minute left. We need three. All right. Let's send Caden. Yeah. So let's guys, I, I don't have a lot of stats for him, but he, he's 21. He's six, one, two, two Oh six, I think is what he weighed at the combine. Um, he didn't do anything except for the, the, I guess he did do the bench press. He put up 12 reps at 225. That's not bad for a kicker. I think that's better than a lot of wide receivers, probably. 
And you know what? He was a second-team all-conference selection. He yeah. he converted 15 from 18 for field goals and and con- went 39 for 39 on extra point attempts. And then this is in 2021. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, Alex, I don't think I don't think anybody has a real problem with us taking a kicker, do they, Rod? I mean, we we all said last week in our in our individual I, I think we expected mocks it. that. I, I think we, we, we expected a kicker to be taken. I, I think, you know, taking a kicker in, in our division, like Alex said, we, we, we've, we've watched Justin Tucker break our hearts countless times, you know, for the Ravens. So um, I, I think having a, a, a skilled kicker is, is such a weapon and we haven't had it. So I, I think everybody's all in on the kicker. I think it's just a question of, you know, when, when was the right time to take the kicker and, and Andrew Berry said, you know, we we wanted him. We felt like he might not be there later, so we went and got him. And I don't have a problem with that. I think the fourth round was a realistic time to take him because, I mean, obviously they traded for that fifth rounder, so, you know, the pick 156. So if you're looking otherwise, you, you can't count on either of the, the two best kickers to fall to number 202. So you have to go into the draft thinking, man, we got to use one of our fourth rounders on this on a kicker. So I, I think Nothing it probably fell. Yeah, I think it fell the way that, you know, the way that um, probably Andrew Berry wanted it to, and the way that, that people would have expected, honestly. Yeah. So, so, uh, so let's uh, let's move on to the fifth rounder, pick one fifty six, and this is the uh, pick that they got from Minnesota for uh, trading down from uh, one eighteen. So yeah. Um, they picked Jerome Ford, running back out of University of Cincinnati. I was going to say UC, but University of Cincinnati. Um, 22 years old, 5'11", 220. Um, he played. He played two years at Cincinnati. Um, had he put up some big numbers uh, last last season? I think he ran for like 1,300 yards. He scored 19 touchdowns, and he had um, uh, he had over 200 yards in pass receptions. Uh, just off the top of my head. You were um, right on that. Yeah, so um, I, I looked at it. I didn't write it down, but um, you know, I, I watched most of the UC games this year because you know I got um, um, you know our third kid is going to UC right now, so um, and they were actually good this year. So <laughs> yeah, and, and all mean, the games were on TV. Yeah, they were all on TV, so I get to watch exactly. them all. You know, you um, mentioned the nineteen <laughs> touchdowns too. That was actually the school record. I'm not surprised. That, that that's a lot of touchdowns, guys. It is. So, um, I, I guess um, I guess uh, Alec, we'll, we'll just let you go first. What did you What do you think of the pick of Jerome Ford? What do you think of the of the pick of a running back at this point? Well, I'm going to talk about Jerome Ford, the college football player. You had mentioned he he went to UC or Cincinnati University of Cincinnati for two years. Did you know where he where he came from originally? Yeah, he came from Alabama. He did. Played. He played behind Damian Harris, Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Brian Robinson. Well, oh, he didn't play much. Is the thing, though. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't. He, he sat. Didn't. He, he watched. That's why. Yeah. But but to be able to have that pet, he just like with Amari Cooper, he has the pedigree of learning under Nick Saban. Nick Saban mm-hmm. produces monsters. Yeah. Every single every single draft, you find Alabama guys going and doing incredible things. Yeah. He also, I mean, he was doing. He helped that team turn and go to the first CFP in school history. So 
That was incredible. But uh, the about Jerome Ford, the Cleveland Brown. This is going to be a hot take, and I'm 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 prepared for it. <laughs> Kareem Hunt, thank you very much for your time. Dearness Johnson, thank you very much for your time. You took. We have taken two running backs in two years, one being UCLA boy, uh, shoot, Matrix Felton. Yes, yeah. Matrix Felton. Jays. How do I forget that? I watched him destroy Oregon multiple times. Demetric <laughs> uh, Felton. We take Jerome Ford this year. There is a trend. We have youth. We don't have to pay them. Get them while they're young. Produce them into stars. Sign them at a hometown discount, possibly, depending on the market, instead of having to pay. Because Kareem Hunt is going to get paid. It's not a matter of when, it's a matter of where. Dearness yeah. Johnson, after, after that Denver Broncos game, he's going to get paid. It's a matter of when and a matter of where. We have... Yeah, you know... I don't. I don't disagree with any of that, Alec. Um, I, I think what confuses me about it a little bit is um, the makeup, the, the the type of player that Jerome Ford is. Okay, um, I I fully expected us to to look for a replacement for Kareem Hunt in the draft. Um, I don't see Jerome Ford as a replacement for Kareem Hunt. I see him as a Nick Chubb type runner. Does that mean we're going to go to a single back type offense? Yeah, he's probably closer to Nick Chubb, I would say, too. I I think they like his hands, but he really hasn't produced a ton in the receiving game, you know, at the college level. It's more on the level of what Nick Chubb has done with the Browns. If you watch him run, I mean, you you would think he's Nick Chubb on, on a lot of plays. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's that kind of power back, and and I I feel like we need to have that change of pace back that Kareem Hunt is, but we probably will lose his services sooner rather than later. So, like I said, I, I had a few guys that I thought fit that profile, um, and I was a little surprised to see us go for a guy that was more of the Nick Chubb profile. But I mean, also he ran a four four six in the forty. So I mean, we are still seeing that you know that speed. And I'm looking up uh, Nick Chubb's forty right now because I don't know it off the top of my head. Nick Chubb ran a four five two. Yeah, but his knee wasn't even fully recovered then. Um, Nick, and it depends which gear Nick Chubb decides to shift into. Or which one he needs, because he's always got an extra gear when he needs to outrun people, it seems like. But also, Kareem Hunt ran a 4.62. So, yeah. yeah, obviously, obviously, players get faster as years go on. They know, how to, they know how to work on their speed training and stuff like that. But just based on college, just based on the, just based on the combine alone, he's already faster than the top two guys. Granted, mm-hmm. you haven't seen what he can do with it. We haven't seen it, what any of these guys can do on the field. We don't know if he's if he has reliable hands. We don't know if he can 
how well he blocks. We don't know how well he can catch the ball. We don't know how well he can tackle in the event that, that there's an interception thrown. We don't, we don't know all of those things. We don't know how that'll factor into the Cleveland Browns offense. And what uh, I think it's who's uh, is ADP the offensive coordinator this year? As far as yes. I know, that doesn't change yet. Yeah, we don't know what AVP has in store for them. So it, it all just depends on what, what scheme AVP thinks of. And I think it goes back into what we were saying with, I believe it was with Joe Woods and Perry and Winfrey. It, or no, with uh, Alex Wright, excuse me. We don't know what they can do and how his potential can unlock. But if his potential gets unlocked and he turns into one of the best running backs, that was the steal of the draft. But it just depends on what happens. Yeah, I think that I think that running back room is going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Dearness Johnson right now. I, I guess he didn't get any qualifying offers, so I think the Browns can sign him for, what is it, like around $2, two million or something in, in, in that range. So, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know. I thought the Browns were just going to sign him for the season for that amount. I guess if they choose not to, he's probably a free agent. Um, you know that that's probably the option there. Um, Kareem Hunt. I I figured if he was going to be traded for anything, it would have happened around the draft. You know, not after, but I, I guess there's a possibility he gets traded in his last year. But I would think the Browns ride Kareem's Kareem's uh, contract out. You know, I think he's on the team this this season. And if they're going to part ways, it would probably be after the season. But um, the running back room is definitely overloaded. Um, you know, they, they've got some other guys, too, that they seem to like. You know, and John Kelly and um, I think Trey Harbison signed for a couple years as, like, number six or seven running back. So it, it, there's a lot of guys um, in, the, in that room. So that's going to be interesting to watch, guys. So, uh, so let's move on to uh, the sixth round, pick number 202, and the Browns took Michael Woods the second, a wide receiver out of Oklahoma. This was the second guy chosen from Oklahoma, starting a trend, and this was with the uh, pick from uh, Dallas in, in, the, um, in the trade that they had. Um, and where they, I think they what, moved down a few spots with Dallas. And and that trade, um, but Michael Woods six one one ninety eight. He ran a four five five at the at the combine. Doesn't seem to be a lot of excitement around this pick. Um, either one of you guys know anything that I don't know about Michael Woods the second? <laughs> I wish I knew more I mean, about him. Honestly, uh, you know the, the the reality is is that um, he wasn't really on a lot of people's radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got, again, the, the size and the tools. Um, it's just a question of, you know, whether they can coach him up. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of, he's pretty close to David Bell's size. So maybe they're just looking for larger receivers and, you know, I, mean, I don't know you think figure they must've seen something in him that they like. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's uh, maybe he's a guy that fits a the profile for special teams or something. Hey, you know, I don't know. Um, hard to say. But uh, I was very confused on this pick, and I'll, 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 <laughs> I'm not going to break my thoughts down. 
He only had 400 yards and two touchdowns on 35 catches for the Sooners in 2021. He did make uh, honorable mention for all Big 12 team, but 200, uh, 400 yards, 35 catches and two on uh, 35 catches and two touchdowns. I don't know. I don't think that one's giving me all the warm and fuzzies. If you're, if you're, if I'm going to be telling the yeah. truth here, yeah, I tell really. the truth, nothing but the truth, and uh, all that fun stuff. But I mean, like you said, it could be, uh, it could be a value pick. But in 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 the other side of the coin, not a lot of six round wide receivers stay in the stay on the teams they were drafted to. If they end up going to another team or not, at this point. I and I was being I was absolutely being selfish. I would have said, okay, give me Justin Ross. He fell far enough. He's a first round talent with a spine injury. Give me him. Yeah. Yeah, worth worth a gamble. I mean, he's probably no, no more of a going gamble than Michael was. Justin Ross, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 I no one knows before. a gamble more than. Uh, I mean, if you want to yeah. talk about gamble, no one knows it more than uh, Calvin Ridley. What? <laughs> You know, these guys are long shots. Um, I think, you know, the best thing I can take from this is the last two drafts, Andrew Barry took um, offensive players who ended up being receivers, basically. I mean, Felton really played more receiver, I think, than running back. Mm -hmm. Um, And DPJ, late in the draft, um, picks that really nobody expected. um, And they both played fairly significant roles in the offense. They um, did, yeah. So, you know, I, I guess we just have to figure that they see something in Michael Woods that, you know, they believe he can leapfrog some of these other um, UDFAs that they're bringing in, uh, the the couple of guys they signed prior to the draft. Um, otherwise, why do you spend a pick on him? I mean, you know, you, yeah. he, they must see something in him that, that they believe – is worth having him on a rookie contract for. So, um, you know, time will tell. Right. But, um, I I was kind of surprised that, that they went, you know, getting that late in the draft and, and, you know, I thought again, that there were receivers that gave us a little bit, something different that I would have probably preferred, but you know, I'm not, I'm not the GM. So we we have to believe that he sees something in this guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. So um, let's go on. We got the two seventh rounders. Uh, the first one is pick two twenty three uh, from Detroit in the David Blau trade. Um, Browns pick Isaiah Thomas, a defensive end out of Oklahoma, where he played um, uh, alongside Perrion Winfrey. This this guy um, he, he's twenty three years old, which is um, which is old for a Browns pick. Six five two sixty six. Um, he ran a 4.740, and he last season he had seven and a half sacks, ten and a half tackles for loss. So there's there's a little bit of excitement around this pick that this guy could could potentially be something too. That he's he's actually got a shot to make the team uh, at defensive end. So um, so what do you what do you guys think of this pick? And we'll let you go first, Jeff. Um, I think he's probably going to be a practice squad guy. Um, there's potential there. Um, but again, I, I, there were in my estimation guys who fit the profile of the player that we need 
that I would have gone after earlier in the draft and Tyreek Smith, um, a couple of other guys of, of that ilk that would have been that third down pass rushing specialist. Um, yeah. Some, some of I those guys, went, I, some of those guys went earlier than, than we expected though. Didn't they? Like right, Tyreek Smith right. went pretty high, didn't they? Um, yeah. Well, he went a couple picks after, um, Cade York, I think. Um, oh, okay. I thought he went. So we, we could have taken him with that one fifth or one eighteen that we traded away. Is my point. Okay. Um, gotcha. But um, you know, I, I think Isaiah Thomas is is um, you know sort of a little bit like um, Alex Wright light. Um, mm-hmm. th- doesn't quite have the upside. Um, I think we have you know we have a need for guys of that size who can be that that three down edge setter. And, yeah. you know, I guess he has a chance of, of being a rotational guy in that role just by virtue of numbers. You know, that, that there yeah. aren't a lot of other guys on the team that that, you know, are capable of that. Um, so. I, again, going into the draft, thought we would have gone with a speed guy, uh, you know, um, a, a designated pass rusher somewhere in the draft uh, rather than doubling up on the three down you know, edge setter, but mm. argue, you know, darts at the board in, you know, to, to, uh, at that real position of need, which is really, I think what, what he brings is, you know, it's another option if we don't sign Judavian Clowney. Right. Right. So Alec, what were your thoughts on Isaiah Thomas? I know that both of that, both thought. Uh, uh, both of the defensive Sooners we ta- we have taken was very very good for morale because you play with someone familiar you know their tendencies you don't have to worry about them mm-hmm. they're gonna be the, they're gonna be a tandem and if 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 it gets up into the league and or gets up into the into a lineup him and Perry and Winfrey are gonna tear it up like they did at college unfortunately I had to be on the on the bad end of it, when uh, Oregon played Oklahoma in the, I think it was the Alamo Bowl. Yes, it was the Alamo Bowl, and uh, they just wreaked havoc. It was it was terrible, but that's something that they're gonna do. They're gonna install fear into into hearts and souls, man. That is something. <laughs> I hope that it pans out the way that I'm saying, but if it does, and I have high hopes, I, I'm I'm a notorious optimist. I think that this is going to be a very, very good turning pick for the Browns. If if Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas both pan out and both make the team, um, yeah, this this would just be wind up being a could could end up being a tremendous draft for the Browns. You know, both those guys uh, turn out to be uh, you know players that work out for the Browns. Um, let, let's move on to, to the last pick, uh, 246 in round seven was Dawson Deaton, the center out of Texas Tech, and that was the pick from Buffalo in the, the, uh, for uh, Case Keenum, um, 6'5 and a half, 306, and shout out to Menachem, who actually had Dawson Deaton in his mock draft that we did last week on the podcast, Um <laughs> Nothing like finding a needle in a haystack, uh, Menachem. <laughs> Good job, Menachem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a couple of us had Cade York and Perry and Winfrey, but um, 
but to find Dawson Deaton, that's that really took some doing. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, obviously, you guys, the Browns have two centers on the team. Um, I don't really think there's a chance he's going to make the team. It's more probably a, uh, this guy's probably more a guy they're going to try to get to the practice squad. Uh, do you guys think there's any chance that anything else happens with Dawson Deaton at this point? I think that Andrew Barry is an absolute lunatic, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> what were the last three picks? Last three or four picks. Let me double check that because I have my notes right here. It was the last three picks that we discussed. Wide receiver, defensive end, center? No, the colleges. Oh, the colleges. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Sounds a hell of a lot like Baker Mayfield, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, three guys from Oklahoma. Yeah, and, and one from Texas Tech. I think that's a, I mean, I just noticed that. I think actually, Corns actually mentioned it. And I, I, I thought it out laughing. That was, that was great. But no, I mean, I ain't got nothing on this. You know, seems like a good kid. <laughs> got a good head on his shoulders. You know, wish him well. Go do what you can. If you don't, if you get signed to the practice squad, you know, I'll keep an eye on you. If not, don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, so what do, you, what do you think, Jeff? The only thing I can say is 6'6 six, six is pretty tall for a center. Um, maybe, yeah. you know, they've got something in mind with, you know, Bill Callahan developing this guy um, that, um, you know, he's going to go into that, that um, rotation with the other guys that we've been bringing along on the interior line. Um, you can never have too much depth there. And, you know, late late in the draft, pick 246 to bring in a guy with that kind of size. Um, you know, hey, something you can't teach, right? So That's right. hopefully, uh, hopefully they, you know, that they can find a spot for him. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I was going to say. Is he's definitely a different body type from the other two centers, I believe, on the team. So, um, so that that's definitely interesting. But, uh, but that that's a wrap on the draft picks. The Browns end up with one cornerback, two defensive ends, two wide receivers, one defensive tackle, one kicker, one running back, and one center. So, um, I, I guess the surprise there. I guess the only surprise I'm sure that. Um, that hit you, Jeff, is probably that they did not take a tight end. Would that be correct? Yeah, that was both the the, the primary surprise and, and the primary disappointment is that we did not bring in a tight end. Yeah. Alec, what, what did you think about the distribution of the picks? Pretty much the same, or was there something you feel like they didn't address? Just out of curiosity, because I really didn't pay attention to it, was this a very tight end heavy draft? Yes. Yeah. It was. Okay. A lot of good tight ends. Very yeah. deep, very deep, very, very high quality tight end draft. Yes. And, okay. you know, with with us apparently shifting our offense, as I, as I keep saying, um, you know, maybe there's a reason that we, we feel like we didn't need a, a third developmental tight end or, or maybe they like somebody who's on the practice squad now. Um, 
But um, yeah, with Austin Hooper being released, I just I felt like we needed a tight end in this draft, and there were there were great opportunities to bring in guys that that I think a couple of them had a shot at being our version of Mark Andrews, and you know we don't have that on our roster right now. So to, to just completely punt on the tight end position was was pretty disappointing to me. Well, they might be waiting for the. I don't think the, Austin Hooper was a loss. Yeah, they might be waiting for the kid from um, from Notre Dame, who I, I don't know if he has if if he's going to be in the draft next season. Um, I, I can't remember his name right now, but uh, but he's going to be a stud yeah. too. So, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, so I'm not going to go through the names of the of the undrafted free agents, but the breakdown on positions as far as who they signed, they signed three wide receivers. Two offensive linemen, one linebacker, one safety, one defensive tackle, one quarterback, one cornerback, and two tight ends. Okay, and, both of which yeah. were, are basketball players. So they, at sorry. the end of that, they signed two basketball players. Two right. basketball players. <laughs> yep. Yeah, my my understanding is one of the tight ends is is uh, um, that some people. I think he uh, has some some pretty good upside, so um, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, I I feel like they kind of you know really diversified on positions you know um, through the draft and through the the undrafted free agents. So uh, right, you guys yeah, know Andrew Perry. Go ahead. You know what? If I'm wrong about about those two tight ends that we gave mini camp invites to, I'll eat my words. But as of right now. I'm 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 sorry to say this, but why in the blue Hades do we have invites going out to someone who hasn't even touched the field? Touched a <laughs> field, not the field. Touched a field. They were yeah, one of those guys hasn't, hasn't played football in five years or something, right? One of the tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think yeah. the other one um, is, is pretty well thought of. Uh, by by at least some people on Twitter, so take that for what it's worth. Fair enough. Um, as you guys know, uh, Andrew Barry's never done messing with the roster, so uh, so yeah, watch for free agent signings, and you know, and and anything can happen when cuts make, and you know, when cuts are made, and and other, you know, and other guys are available. So so by no means whatsoever is he done tinkering with the roster, but. Uh, um, I want to ask you guys for grades, but I guess how how do each of you guys feel about the draft now that now that you've had a little bit of time to digest this? I, I'll let you go first, Alec. I will say it's about a B minus. There were holes that needed to be filled, and they filled it. Kicker, you got defensive end, you got wide receiver. Are they the wide receivers of everyone's dreams? No. Those went very quickly and quicker than we all assumed. But in this case, we did, you know, we had to play with the hand we got. And I think Andrew Berry did well. And while in the meantime, also planning out for years to come. So, Mm -hmm. it was a very good idea, but it just has to get put into practice now. It's, it's, It's a good theory, but is it good in practice? That's that's what I say. Jeff, how how are you feeling now after it's been, what, three, four days? So how how are you feeling about the draft? You have to measure a draft based on the capital that you have. 
not against what other teams were able to do. So from the standpoint that, you know, we were limited in the high picks that we had. Um, I, I really liked the trade down to get an additional asset in that mid round. Um, I'm not as big a fan of how we used that pick, but I like the fact that, that we maximized the potential of the mid rounds of this draft. And, and that's, I guess what you have to carry away from it is based on what we had and, and what we could, you know, optimistically hope to come out of this draft with, um, I think Andrew Barry utilized the tools that he had to get us some pieces that fit really well now and, and give us some real upside in the future. Um, and that's really what you look for when you're, you know, when you're starting your draft at pick number 68, it's not going to be a yeah. guy who's going to come in and set the world on fire as a rookie. Yeah. And people need to remember that, that, that MJ Emerson was not a first round pick. He was the Browns first pick, but um, don't expect this guy to come in and, and look like Denzel Ward or, or Greg Newsom. You know, he's going to need a little bit of time. I mean, if he looks anything like those guys by midseason, you know, or anywhere close to him, uh, Brown, Brown's got a steal. You know, so, um, but these guys are going to need some time. Uh, but, you know, just looking this over out of um, what do we have, uh, nine picks, you know, I, I would think that six or seven of these guys are probably, you know, going to make the team and and probably contribute at some point, uh, you know, if not this season, you know, they, they will over their career. So um, to me, that that's a going to be that's a successful, successful draft. And I think the Browns got some great value, you know, at, at a lot of their spots. So um, so we've been going a while, guys. Let's. Uh, Let's get some closing thoughts, and then we'll then we'll uh, kind of pack things up. So, so Alec, we appreciate you uh, joining us tonight and uh, Anytime. You know, kind of uh, breaking things down with us. So, um, what would you like to leave everybody who's listening uh, with tonight? Well, first and foremost, if you do want to follow all things Cleveland news, you can go to www.cleveland19.com where you can find a bunch of stories that I'm doing and some of my other colleagues are doing. We are some of the best in the business and we show you why. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Alex Saplin, same thing on Instagram, yada, yada, yada. And last thing I want to say is I'm glad that the Browns didn't look as stupid as uh, Hugh Jackson did. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, Jeff, closing thoughts tonight? Yeah. Last thoughts on the draft. Um, you know, the Browns took nine guys. If, if you know, we had said uh, early in the process that the Browns were going to use all nine picks in this draft, I would have said, no way. Um, how do you put nine guys on one of the what's generally considered one of the league's best rosters? Um, but it just goes to show you how a general manager has to think beyond this season. Um, you look for contributions this season, but you also have to be thinking about, you know, the next two to three years. And I think you know, all of these picks do that for us. Um, the top five, I think, will all play significant um, snaps this year and make significant contributions to the team. 
Um, and going into the draft, I thought if we could get that kind of contribution out of the top two or three, it would have been a successful draft. Um, to get that out of the top five when you're not starting until pick number 68 um, is pretty damn impressive. And it just continues to, to in my mind, solidify what a, what a great um, general manager we have and, and his ability to find value in the mid rounds. Yeah, and you have to you have to realize that these guys are all going to be on on low dollar four year contracts. So we will leave it at that. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.